God bless you and welcome to Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast. We appreciate and welcome all of you, our listeners around the world. Stay tuned to hear an exciting word from pastor teacher, Dr. James Sutton. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you now to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word. If there's anything that we have done to prevent us from hearing your word, first with our ears and then with our hearts, allowing us to take your word and meditate on it day and night. Lord, I ask that you open up our minds to receive what you have for us today, for it is a treasure straight from heaven. Lord, I ask this in the name of Jesus. Well, let's open up our Bibles to Psalms 5. And if you've been reading with us a verse a day, a psalm a day, starting at Psalm 1, now we're at Psalm 5. And I chose this psalm today because it talks about prayer. The posture of prayer, the practicality of prayer, the purpose for prayer as it relates to our position in Christ. David was a king selected by God, anointed by God, and yet he was afflicted, afflicted with his own passions and desires, and then afflicted with enemies, starting with Saul. And when Saul sought after David, David began to realize truly where his help come from. It's one thing to be a hero, to kill bears and kill giants. But it's a whole nother situation in our lives when we're being pursued or we're being put upon or stressed out. And this is the time we find ourselves in. This, what we're in now, is not an enemy like Goliath, but it has giant effects in our lives. It's not a bear or a lion, but this thing we're going through with COVID-19 can and will and is devouring the saints of God. So our posture, our posture in prayer is very important at this time. It gives us a peace that we could never have unless we are challenged by the suffering. The Bible tells us that the maturity of the saints in Peter comes from suffering. Your character will grow through suffering. I want to ensure you and encourage you to continue to learn your Bible and get away from all of your religious notions and aberrant teachings that you truly learn the Bible in context. Some of you are thinking a lot of imaginatory things and taking the scriptures out of order of events. And you're putting stuff out there that's not in the order to which God said he was going to do some things. If you read the passage carefully about the rumors of wars and the pestilence, God says that's going to be but that's not it. 
It's out of the heavenlies that we will see the moon turn to blood. And those things happen in the heavenlies that we will know at that point in time that Jesus is on his way back and that he is going to take us out of here as the church. Whether you're a pre-trip, mid-trip, post-tribulation, meaning the years of the tribulation, that's irrelevant right now. And I would tell people for conversation's sake, it's good to have in one way, but it's kind of distracting in another because what difference does it make if you're not saved and you're pre-trip, mid-trip, or post-trip, meaning that when the church is getting taken out, is it going to take out before, during, or after the tribulation period? What difference does it make if you're not numbered among them? So prayer is important. What are we praying for now? Understanding, continue mercies, continue grace in light of the pestilence, in light of what's going on around the world. We want to pray that we continue to operate in a sound mind and not a mind of fear. And a sound mind is key right now. And loving one another is crucial. So I want to encourage you today as we walk through the Psalms. I'm not going to be before you long. But I want you to understand there's a purpose in your prayer. There's a plan for your prayer. And there are, there's a posture emotionally and mentally that you should take before your prayer. Prayer is so important. It is the way we communicate to God. Whatever you do, you are communicating with God. You're not communicating one with another. It is private, personal, and particular to you. So as we go through the book of the Psalms, you will see the posture of David in this psalm based upon the events that were happening to David internally and externally. So we're going to start off with Psalms 5 at verse 1. Psalms 5 at verse 1, a psalm of David. Give ear to my cry, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, O King and my God. For to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. Lord, bless this word. As we begin our journey in the Psalms, we must recognize and take advantage of the position that God puts us in when we read the Psalms. It takes us back into a time where God was most evident in the lives of his people, the children of Israel. And I find it interesting and fascinating that in the Psalms, in verse 1 and verse 1, we start this journey off just like they did back when God, Jesus, did the Sermon on the Mount with blessed is the man in Matthew 5 and 3 and also in Psalms 1 and 1. The position, the posture, the presence of the Lord 
the positioning of the man to be blessed and to be happy in the fact that he is blessed, who begins to seek the Lord, who has described himself to that. In verse two, it tells us the best way to render it is there's a blessing of the man or the man is blessed and blessed forever when he begins to seek the Lord. So as just like then, we are in this position where there's something of peace and happiness to be had when we begin to seek the Lord. And Psalms 1 sets the tone. Jerome said it was the way in which the Holy Spirit opens the door for us to come boldly before the throne of grace. So we thank God that these are here. That again, as Romans said, that we might, through encouragement, endurance, and patience, find this hope in the scripture. So as we go forth in the Psalms and we go forth in this message, I want you to find hope in the scriptures. And for all of us who are on the same page and, and on one accord, our hope is in the glory of Jesus Christ, in the glorification of Christ, in the sanctification of our bodies and, our, and the saving of our souls. Everything else means nothing. Our status in life has no bearing on what's going on right now. The sinner and the saint alike are being sick. The sinner and the saint alike are having to do the same things and go through the same gyrations of what's going on now in this world. Where we've made an error, saints of God, is that we're in this world and we have to put up with what's in this world. But our hope is not of this world. That's what the Bible teaches. So it is appropriate that Psalms 1 says, blessed is the man. Blessed is the saint. Just like when Jesus started out at the Mount of Olives on the Sermon on the Mount. Happy is the man. So I pray that you find happiness in this message that goes forth, that you'll learn a little bit more until we all come into the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Psalm 2 and 8 tells, tells us that we could ask of our Father and our, we have an expectation for our Father to hear us. Unlike the world, when we ask, we don't know whether the world is going to answer or not. But because the Father loves us, because Jesus died for us, because we are his, we should have an expectation that he hears us. And that through his love, he hears the prayers of the saints. Through his love, he hears the cries of his children that his son has possession over. Who Jesus loves, God the Father loves. Who Jesus possesses. God the Father possesses. And you can come to the king and ask and the king will give the son exactly what he wants. So we have confidence in God the son asking God the Father on our behalf, interceding and giving us what we need. In Psalm 3, at verse 2, it presents the wicked person as we saw in Psalms 1. The person that will say because of the circumstance that there is no salvation for our souls. But our souls are not based upon the circumstance of today, but the circumstance of 2,000 years ago of our Jesus dying on the cross for each and every one who believed. When Jesus died, 
His effectual death is good enough to save the whole world, but only has an effect, a, 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 a work on those who will believe. Great enough to satisfy the sin debt for all the world, that all the world could be saved, but only effectual and working in all those who will believe. But the enemy will try to trick you and say, because of what you go through, because that you don't have, because you are, might get sick, that there is no salvation for your soul. But it's your body being sick and your soul could be saved and your spirit is not restricted by social dis dis distancing. Your spirit should fly high in the discipleship, in the discipline of Christ, knowing that there is a salvation for your soul. It is Jesus Christ, the substitute, the sacrifice for your sins, and that those who will believe are saved because the word of faith is near them. And it is this, that God and Jesus, Jesus is Lord, and that God raised him from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all those who believe in that by faith shall, not might, uh, not maybe, but shall be saved. And if you are one of those and encounter in the number of the saints, you're saved. And no one and no deed and nothing can take it away from you because you didn't earn it. He didn't earn it for you. He is the propitiation, the perfect sacrifice for your sin. In Psalm 4, we have David crying out to the God of righteousness. The one who is in control, the one who will make the decisions, the one who has the most effect on the determination of the rest of his life. When he cries out, hear me when I cry or when I call, oh God of my righteousness, or this could mean my righteous God. Who is righteous by nature? Who is the holy one? Who is the one that we depend upon? By Psalm 4, the position is, I know who I need to call on because things are happening around me. My son is coming against me. I am a wanderer. I, I am worried. I'm concerned. But when God preserves me from morning to morning, I reach out to God to prepare myself by prayer and calling on him for he is the mediator of my day. He is the counselor that I walk with daily. He is with me. He is in me. And he goes before me as a shield. And he's behind me, lifting me up. So God is the righteous God who we call out to, who we should look to the heavens for. And it's the God and the Holy Spirit within us. It's about yielding to the righteousness of God and allowing him to work in you and through you. During this time is a great time for the church because there's no reason and no excuse that you can make. Like a Roman says, man, you are without excuse. There's no reason to worship the creation more than the creator because the creation is being torn down, but the creator stands forever. He changes not his character of love and righteousness is who he is. God, Jesus is our king of righteousness, our king of glory to whom we can call on. Now, David, in Psalms 5, starting at verse 1, he begins to, to take the prayer adventure that the God that I'm blessed by, by calling on him, that is a righteous God. Now, I wish God to hear me. It says, give ear to my words, O Lord. 
This doesn't mean, saints, that these are just common words or common conversations. But in prayer, the words which came out of our mouths and were very audible. This is not like when you meditate and there's no words coming out of your mouth. But these are very audible words that you come before the throne of grace with where God can hear you. You've already meditated on what you need to say. And maybe you haven't crossed over to saying all that you want to say to God, but you come boldly before this throne. It's designed that God will hear you and God will move on your behalf. Look at Psalms 54 and 2, and it tells us that it tells us that God needs to hear us. And it says, oh, God, hear my prayers. Give ear to my words of my mouth. Give ear to the words of my mouth. It's not as if God, the, 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 the picture, the illustration is not as if God has given us, has an ear, has an ear like you have an ear. But we want God to hear our hearts. We want God to hear our hearts with his heart. We want to hear God to hear what we have to say in his righteousness and in his glory and his holiness. It's not an ear as we have, but it's an ear deeper than we hear. So when we say we want someone to hear us. It's not the audible that we hear, but it's hearing past the audible to what's in our heart. David is crying out as you should be crying out now. As Psalms 54 and 2 tells us, oh God, give ear to my heart, what I'm saying. And let us not be hasty and vain with our words. The Bible does tell us that we should not pray in repetition. So many prayers, we think that it, if we say it over and over and over again, as if this is a spell book, if this is some kind of incantation that God hears us but Ecclesiastes 5 and 2 tells us that how we should approach prayer and it says be not harsh be not rash with your mouth nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word do not be so rash Think about that thing that you want to say before God. Kind of meditate on it because what I want to tell you is as you're being sanctified and conformed into the image of God, God will give you what to say. God will teach you how to pray. Let this mind also be in you that is Christ Jesus. So Jesus knew how to pray to the Father and he will teach you how to pray to God. You give God honor and glory. You don't approach God like your next door neighbor. You don't approach God like the buddy you go drink coffee with. You don't approach God as if he's just a commoner sitting next to you. No, you have to remember Jesus died for our sins and is the perfect sacrifice. And he's sitting on the right hand side of God, having all power interceding on our behalf. But for those who do, he cleans it up for you because he's our intercessor. But you should be learning how to approach the holiness of God with reverence, but come boldly. And what I'm encouraging you that the Bible commands us to come boldly before the throne of grace. It tells us that we should walk into this boldness before and while we're praying that God should move us forward. But it's in boldness. 
That's what Hebrews 14 and 16 tells us. I mean, 4 and 16 tells us. It tells us to approach this throne of grace boldly, but only with humility. And see, in our world, in our language, humility and boldness are opposite. But in God's economy, the boldness to which we approach is in the faith. In the faith that he will hear us. In the faith that he would acknowledge what we're saying and what we're asking and what we're petitioning him for. We can come because we're his children. We come in awesomeness. It's almost as if, remember when you wanted this certain thing or this certain present or this toy from your parents and you didn't just come ask them, but you, you kind of came with reverence. Mom, dad, I would like to have. You might even throw in your works, but see, you don't have to throw in your works to come to God right now. When Jesus died, the works-based relationship with God was over. You come by faith. You come by trust. Trust in who? What he did on the cross accomplished what it supposed accomplished, which was your salvation. And that now that you were saved, you are part of the family, God and you and you and him. And you could come boldly. You were his body. Why couldn't you come boldly? Let him know what's on your heart. Let him know what you're thinking about. Let him know that you are nervous. Let him know that you are concerned. Let him know even that you're worried. Don't, don't be one who sits back and says, well, God, um, I can't come to you with that because I don't know how you're going to answer. And I would say that's the best time to come to God. Let him answer it. And a lot of times saints, his answers through this word, his answers right before you, but you have to take the time to read it. You have to take the time to look at it. You have to take the time to study it and meditate on it. God is working in the world and he's working in the world through his saints through prayer. He's not just an arbitrary God just doing something. He's there. He's there for you. He's there for me. And he's there for the whole world. But you have to decide that you're going to use it. You have to decide that you're going to wake up and come boldly before the throne of grace. You can't wait. Until somebody else does. These have to be your words from your heart to God. Yes, we come together as a corporate and do prayer. But it is the special times when you are alone with your God. It's just you and your God in your prayer closet. And a prayer closet is not a, a, a physical place. Yes, you could build a room. But what point of building a room if your heart's not right? What's the point in building a room with all the artifacts that all the the, 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 the imagery of God that you can think of, which is no good. Because he told us don't make an engraven image of heaven or things that represent him. Nothing can represent him on earth. But the prayer closet is the position that you take before God when you close off the world and pray to your God who created the world. The prayer closet for the Jew was not a room. The prayer closet was a Jew when they would put their hood over their head and close it off. So the room was no bigger than the distance between their nose and the material that they closed around their face. And they would pray. But you don't want to pray as the Pharisees pray and let everybody see you. Can you imagine you standing in, on the street corner and you got your hood over your face and you close it off? So everybody knows that's part of the Jewish religion that you're praying uh, that's pious religiosity. And God says, Jesus said, that's worthless. I need you to be broken. I need you to have a contrite spirit. I need you to bow your knee. I need you to seek my face in forgiveness. I need you to repent. That's what God is saying right now. 
We have to take the posture of repentance, not of arrogance, not telling God what to do and decreeing and declaring. We need to humble ourselves. As the Bible said before the mighty hand of God and in due time, he will exalt us because man is full of trouble. All his days as the sparks fly up. This man who's born a woman is full of trouble. He's born in sin and we're shaped in iniquity and we are sinners saved by grace. And the simplicity of the gospel tells us that he died for us. He rose for our justification. And in prayer, we have confidence in this. So our position is one of confidence. Our position is one of faith. We must continue in that vein, in humility. And we must do this alone. Because we believe that the deposits of our prayer because we are the righteousness of God, they avail in such a way that no matter what happened, he gets the glory. See, availing does not necessarily mean that I'm going to be comfortable. Availing means that I'm happy in whatever God decides because what God decides is the best for us and glorifies him. Because the goodness that, that comes from this is we love him and the Bible tells us that the good comes to those who love him are called according to his purpose. And see what we spend too much time is looking for the specific purpose but not understand the general purpose of we are called to be worshipers. We are called to worship God in spirit and in truth. And if you're not a worshiper, why are you worried about the specific thing whether you're supposed to be an evangelist, if you're supposed to be a teacher? You have to fall in the vein of the general, which is the most awesome thing you can be without a title. Who are you before God without a title, without your prayer? You're nothing. We are prayer. We, we are the prayer. We are the righteousness of God. He said that. He died so that your sins, which was red as scarlet, can now be white as snow. Oh, I'm not talking enough material blessings for you right now. I get that. I understand that. But this is about the spiritual. The Bible commands us to pray with understanding. He wants us to pray with understanding. He wants us to have an understanding that when we pray, we pray with understanding and with the spirit. That passage to which it tells us to pray with understanding also tells us to pray with the spirit. Not just in the spirit, but with the spirit. Pray with understanding and pray in the spirit. Pray with the spirit. Pray with spirit and pray with understanding. There should be some understanding that you get out of prayer. There should be some knowledge, some instruction, some direction, some, some solaceness, some peace that you get when you pray to the God of your heart and of your mind and of your soul who saved your soul. Prayers that motivate us to move forward. Prayers that now we've prayed aloud and we have meditated on the word. It is now time for us to move forward. It is now time for us to get off our knees and move forward in faith. Just as the Israelites done. And God even reprimanded them to show you how progressive God is. See, you think that you pose a prayer and wait and watch. And yes, that is what you do, but while you're waiting and watching, you keep moving in God. 
It's not a waiting and watching as the world does and just keep standing there and being still because, but you know what? That's the lazy Christian. That's the way we want to approach it. When things get tough, you just want to wait, but there's something God wants you to do. You've prayed now. The progressive of, of God requires those who are on the front line to move in the spirit, to get up and move and show the people. How can the people know that you are a child of God if they can't see it in you? So if you just sit back and hold it in for yourself, are you truly trusting God? Or are you scared or you really don't have the faith in the God that you proclaim? Let's look at what God told the Israelites in Exodus 14 and 15. He says, the Lord said to Moses, why? Do you cry out to me? Why are you still praying to me? Tell the people. Tell the people. Tell the saints of God, of Israel, to go forward and cross over. Saints, this is the time that you should be praying and going forward. And as you go forward, you want to be meditating. Just like Hannah did. You want to be meditating on, on what God has done. If you look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. And we know that the priest, the religious priest came out and declared her drunk. But Hannah had already put in her heart to move before God. She trusted God and came to the house of God to pray. But in her prayer of meditation, her lips were moving, but there was no words coming out of her mouth. The active thing is Hannah got up and moved. Now it's time also not only to pray and move in action, but also to meditate on what we're talking to God about. I know that prayer is a meditation and you can meditate in your mind to God and God will hear you. God doesn't necessarily need your audible, but God wants both. You don't just give him the one without the other. I'm going to say that again. You give him the meditation of your mind and you give him the prayer of your heart vocally. And what you could do is meditate in your mind on what you want to say to God. And God has already opened the door to hear it. And now you audibly say it because you trust that God will hear you with his heart and God will hear you with the mind of Jesus. And you trust that Jesus is interceding on our behalf. And then there's time, saints, because of what's going on, we're losing loved ones. We need to pray to God in mourning. We need to pray to God for the loved ones that are being lost, to those who are suffering, to those who can understand that now is the time that you or a loved one may die and you won't get to see that body again. See, God is getting us away from trusting in the flesh and actually thinking that we're doing this great thing by relying on the flesh, but you have to mourn with them. You rejoice with them and you mourn with them. Because I have a friend that works at a funeral home, Apostle Gail, and everybody knows her. She's telling me of all the tragedies that's happening in the funeral home and the funeral business because of this virus that they did a funeral via the Internet. Well, saints, 
the funeral memorializes the life. But the spirit has already gone on. How, the spirit has left long time ago. Normally seven to 10 days before the funeral, that which is important has left. But we mourn the physicality of the person. But just like the one who was evil and died with Lazarus and Lazarus was held in the, in the, in the, in the bosom of God. And the man wanted to go back and give a, 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 an account and tell them where he was. He didn't want them to go. Think about this with your friends and relatives as you mourn for those who miss them. If they're with Jesus, would they want to come back? I don't think so because Paul said it so eloquently, eloquently that when he was risen to this third heaven, that there was unspeakable things, but he would rather be there than here. But his mission is not accomplished. And what I'm saying, saints, give God the glory that every morning that you can wake, wake up, that your mission is not accomplished yet, that there's something that you need to do. There's somebody you need to pray for. You need to mourn for those who are mourning and rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Isaiah 38 and 14 tells us that. Like a bird, he chirps. And that he moans like a dove. Because he's looking upward and he's mourning. He's mourning for those who oppress. I, I, I mourn. I, 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 I chirp like a dove for those who are oppressed right now. Oppressed not only by the disease, but oppressed by the psychological and emotional and financial problems they're going to go through because of this disease. But I have to look upward for them. Saints, you have to stand in the gap. You have to stand in the gap for those who are oppressed right now. So what do you say, Pastor? You look at Romans 8.26. And you say, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we don't know what to pray for but the spirit of God intercedes on our behalf so saints I want to encourage you today as we go forth just out of verse 1 we see that God is allowing us to come boldly before the throne of grace without fear without 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 concern of what's happening in the world, but a reverence and a love for Jesus and what he's done for us. And you can make your petitions known to God. If you want understanding, ask for God to show you the understanding of his character, of how he dealt with famine and pestilence in the scriptures. And what I see, saints, is this. There is a point where there's a nation we cry out and there's a point where God will hear us, but we have to keep crying to God without fail. We have to discipline ourselves that now we're at home, there's no reason not to pray to God and get in his word and learn his word, not taking events out of context, but still sitting and learning what God has done in the past so we can understand what he's done in the future. This is not judgment. We are still under grace. If this was judgment, it would be over. This is not judgment of Israel. This is not judgment of the church. These things are going to happen, but we're looking forward to the day the heavenly show us something. 
the stars, the moon, read your Bible. But until then, we cry out to God to let this thing pass as we know it will one day. How the world would look and how you're going to come out of this, I have no clue and nobody else does. But we know this. God has always saved a remnant that will come out and worship him. God has always saved the remnant that will come out and carry on. God will always save a remnant that will continue to preach his gospel. And through persecution by famine or pestilence, his gospel goes forward. There's no reason to name and claim it because you might not have it anymore. There's no reason to have trust in bigger cars, bigger houses, more boats, more money. That might be irrelevant in the future. Can you imagine, as you see in some of these sci-fi movies, that at some point what you go through and what you had confidence in doesn't mean anything anymore? What if we go to a time where salt means it's valuable like it was in the day? of the Bible. When we go back to herbs and spices, now your money means nothing. But what is the most valuable currency you can have right now, saints? It's prayer. And I pray that you understand. Let's pray. Oh, Grace Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your, for your gift of prayer. I thank you for those who have listened and I thank you for those who have heard with their hearts. Lord, we want the words of our mouth to be acceptable in your sight. Lord, we want to come to you with everything that we have in our heart, that we know that you'll hear us because you're faithful. You won't reject us, oh, Father God, but you will hear us. And sometimes hearing us doesn't mean that you have already given us an answer. Lord, because a lot of times we pray for things that we already have the answer to, and we just don't want to accept it. But Lord, like a kind father, you will let us see what you want us to see in your word and let us understand what you want us to understand in your word. You will open our eyes and open our hearts to the events of today to gain an understanding and not be fearful and be of sound mind and continue to practice the love that you said we should practice. How will they who are fearful, how will they who are going through, how are they who are losing loved ones be able to know that we are the light of the world? Because we walk in the light as you are in the light. That we walk in this salvation that we hold. And it's not based upon any creature comfort that we may experience at any given time. We are your body. We are the church. That they may know that because we love each other, we are your disciples. It is not conditional. Because you died for us unconditionally. That someone may ask, what must I do to be saved? It's in Jesus name I pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Hello, this is Pastor Jay. I'm excited to invite you to come over to listen to our broadcast on YouTube. Yes, Walk in True Christian Fellowship Church on YouTube. We have some great videos over there and you'll be able to listen to all the lessons and the podcast. So again, subscribe, like, and continue to comment and listen. This is Pastor Jay. Talk to you later. Peace.